welcome to the QI chat room. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode features Tiffany Jimenez from Petaluma Health Center, who will talk about how to huddle as a care team. Here she is. Thanks, Kelly. I was wondering if I can just get a pulse um, from the people on the call as far as where you're at in your um, huddle journey, um, as far as your teams, have they been using it for a long time or a short period of time? And maybe like, what's your biggest challenge with huddling? Can we start maybe with Beth? Sure. Um, well, at Santa Rosa Community Health, we, we actually have been taking a little of uh, the lead from you guys at Petaluma, um, and we've been starting to incorporate uh, relevant into our huddle process. So we, when Invista reopened in August, that was a really great opportunity for that clinic to incorporate huddling using relevant, and we actually developed a whole um, hardy huddle using relevant workflow that uh, has been rolled out and is working really well. And so of the other sites, the campuses have been taking notice and have been starting to incorporate relevant as well. So Denton is just moving there, um, but uh, like Lombardi is also interested. So we're getting, we're kind of slowly rolling it out, but we definitely are feel that this is a very, you know, it's a great, relevant is a great thing to incorporate into the huddle and, um, and we loved, we actually did some shadowing over there with Petaluma Health Center and like loved their flow. So um, anyway, that's kind of where we're at. Awesome. Great. Um, how about Spencer? Hey, um, yeah, in terms of huddling, we don't actually, to my knowledge, use relevant for any help during huddles. I know that we, our MAs use the visit planning tool during the day, but in terms of the huddle, the morning huddles, I, to my understanding, uh, have no knowledge of that um, being any factor in the morning huddles. Okay, so I'll go ahead and get started. Um, so just to explain our process, um, we have dedicated 15 minutes before every shift for huddling. Um, and we really see that reviewing the care gaps for um, patients coming in is a really key part of our quality program. Um, and that's why we've dedicated that 15 minutes before every shift, a.m., p.m., and evening shift. Um, I think the uh, huddling um, combined with outreach to patients who are not coming into the health center are kind of the two big ways that we 
um, are able to um, meet and continue to improve on a lot of our quality measures. Um, so what that looks like is um, during that 15 minutes, the provider and MA are situated right next to each other and they both have their computers open. Um, the provider is typically in ECW um, and then the MA is logged into Relevant, the visit planning tool. Um, and then the MA proceeds to read off all of the care gaps that the patient is due for. Um, the provider reviews those and documents the ones that they're going to do today into the chief complaint in ECW. So the MA then during rooming looks at that chief complaint in order to prompt um, what is going to happen during that visit, what things they need to complete during the rooming process, um, or lab templates that they need to merge over, things like that. I wanted to mention that um, the care gaps, we have quite a few of them. Um, but when we have an established patient, usually there's only maybe three or four that they're alerting for. Um, for providers that are building their panel and accepting a lot of new patients, that can be um, a bit more, but usually we're able to finish up within that 15-minute time frame. Um, we also have recently um, grouped some of our care gaps into larger categories to make it a little bit more streamlined for the MA and provider teamlet. So for example, we have a section on counseling and self-management. Um, so they'll know when they're due to set a self-management goal or due for contraceptive counseling. Um, we have another section for diagnostic imaging. So it'll show all of the diagnostic imaging care gaps the patient is due for. Um, we have another one for labs. Um, so again, just showing all of the labs that the patient is due for based on different um, measures and their um, chronic conditions. Um, we have a section for forms and questionnaires. So things like do for advanced directive, um, for a cures, for depression screening or fall risk assessment, those are in that category. Um, we have another category for immunizations. Um, and I think that is it. Um, oh, and then open items. That's a really important one as well that we uh, recently implemented. So for open items, we've noticed that this has really helped us to close the loop on lab diagnostic imaging and referrals. So if the patient's being seen, the team will get an alert if they have an open lab um, or an open referral, um, and it'll actually say which one is open. Um, and then that prompts the medical assistant to ask about that during rooming to see if the patient's still going to go, if they still feel that this referral is important for them, and then they can document that. And if the patient says, you know, oh, no, that's resolved now, I don't want to go to see that specialist, then we can go ahead and close that referral at the time of the visit. And then that saves time on the back end of other staff having to follow up with the patient outside of the visit. Um, so that's been really helpful to, um, to help close the loop. Um, we do some other things during our 15-minute huddle time as well. So in the beginning of the day, we have our huddle TV um, that's a broadcast announcement to the whole health center all at once, all of our sites. Um, and that's really helpful for just daily announcements, kind of how, how many visits are um, open that day, what groups are going on, um, any quality announcements or shout outs for, um, for different quality measures we'll do at that time. Um, and then our flow coordinator, or kind of our lead for the day, 
Um, we'll give announcements about who's there and anything that they need to be aware of on their team that's going on. Um, then they kind of break out into that team-led huddle that I was talking about with the care gaps. Um, and then another piece of that is for our support staff. So for our nurses, um, behavioral health team, um, they have particular reports that they can run to try to identify patients coming in on the team that they might um, that might benefit from seeing them. Um, so for example, behavioral health um, runs a report of patients um, with depression or with uncontrolled diabetes, and then they can approach the primary care provider during the last part of the huddle and say, hey, I see this person coming in in your schedule. They haven't seen behavioral health before. Would you like me to see them? So that's kind of nice to pull those services rather than um, waiting for the primary care provider to think about that service because there's so many things to think about. Um, and, um, and then that kind of helps, you know, connect, connect the dots for them. Um, so I think that's kind of a bit of the overview. I'd like to know if there's specific questions about um, our huddling or, um, or care gaps. I would just maybe put a plug in too, Tiffany, that you guys developed that video um, that maybe you could share because um, that was really helpful for people who couldn't shadow over there to really see, you know, kind of how, like the four parts of your huddle and how, how you really, you know, kind of achieve, you know, your quality goals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's a really good point. Um, I think the training to the process is really important. So we do make um, a very strong effort to train providers as they come into the health center um, in how to huddle. So we have um, this video that we created that really demonstrates the way that we would like everyone to do their standard huddle. Um, and then um, we actually sit with the providers and role play um, so either Dr. Oren or one of the informatics providers on her team will sit with the provider, the new provider coming in and, and role play, um, you know, you be the medical assistant, I'll be the provider and how that goes. Um, I forgot to mention too, like in addition to the care gaps, um, it's, it's really the provider um, kind of giving a heads up about the patient and anything to keep in mind, you know, about that patient as well. Um, with, as the MA's rooming. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the training piece is, um, is very important. Um, and the other things that we've done to kind of um, assess how that process is going is we've done um, just observation with the team. So the informatics department and quality department will pick, um, you know, a couple of days um, and then just go out to the team and be there, be present for huddle. Um, so that we can answer any questions and encourage people to report any discrepancies that they're seeing, or it can be an opportunity for um, for education on how a particular measure is captured. Um, so that's really good. We do have that discrepancy button that that um, staff can push if they think that the care gap is alerting incorrectly, um, but you know it doesn't always happen. So actually being visible on the team, it really encourages them to have a conversation about that and get their questions answered. I have a question, Tiffany. Um, this is Jennifer Durst from Sonoma County Indian Health Project. Um, how I may have messed this up at the beginning, so forgive me if I did, but is it only the providers and the MAs who are huddling or do you involve any other um, members of the team like nursing or behavioral health? 
Yeah, so the, those um, team members round in the team room, um, kind of at the end of huddle. So they'll do their team-led huddle, and then you'll have your nurse kind of coming around to each of the providers individually. The same with behavioral health. Okay, awesome. Tiffany, this is Beth. I had a question just in regards to the training. So we're sort of at the point where, you know, we rolled this out, but none of our it's not like a one at a time like onboarding thing. It's like just this is everybody at once. And did when you first rolled out huddling with relevant, like what was your did what was your strategy or your process for doing that? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a hard question because we had been huddling before that with ECW, and so mm -hmm. they already had that process established. So when we moved to a different tool, it wasn't a huge shift for us. Um, and I'm afraid I can't really answer very well because I wasn't um, at Pebbleham Health Center when they started huddling. So I'm not exactly sure, like, how that training process went. Okay. No worries. Thank you. Yeah, but I guess like with Relevant, when we transitioned to Relevant, we just tried to get a lot of feedback, you know, from the teams and try to check in with them verbally about about it. Because sometimes, you know, especially in a larger larger organization, like that doesn't get filtered up sometimes, you know, and then people are just like, you don't want them to lose faith in the care gap. You know, I think it's really important that they understand how it's working. And if something seems off to them, that they get their question answered. Um, we, we do tell providers that during onboarding to be very careful about their language when they're huddling um, because medical assistants can sometimes take the cues from providers as far as how important a particular measure is. And so we've had cases where a provider maybe said like, oh, you know, that form is so long. And then the medical assistant, or like they decide not to do it for one patient. And then the medical assistant kind of interpreted that as like, I don't want to hear that alert ever again. And they'll actually start skipping over alerts. Um, and then, you know, um, doc, like Dr. Orrin will be huddling with that MA like, oh, how come you didn't read that one? You know, oh, well, like this writer doesn't like that one, you know? So we just try to be really careful around that. And we recognize that there are you know, differences in, um, you know, how often we're going to capture these different care gaps when they come in. And I think it is important to know that, like, we're not reaching for 100% every single time. Like, that's not the expectation. There's going to be times when it's not appropriate for the patient. But all in all, we do try to offer them to all patients coming in, even during acute visits, even if you're not seeing your own patient, if you're seeing it someone else's patient, because that's the expectation that, if they were seeing your patient, they would be offering them all of those things as well. Tiffany, this is Jennifer again. Um, do you have any um, recommendations or requirements uh, that your staff write down or document reasons why care gaps weren't addressed or met? You know, like if they're due for a PAP and the patient declines, do you do you ask them to write that down or like they didn't have time in the visit, the provider was running super behind and so they chose not to? Like, is there any way of tracking that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we don't have a standard um, thing that we are asking all of the teams to do currently. Um, sorry, my family's coming in. Um, can you guys go into the room? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just came back from the pool. Um, 
we don't have a standard way, but I've noticed that a lot of medical assistants have started documenting it just right next to the chief complaint. They'll just document like declined um, or offered. Um, and that's really helpful when we're going back on chart review because we do do that from time to time. You know, if we're not progressing in a measure, we want to see what's going on with it. We'll do a deep dive and we'll look at some charts and, um, and you know, especially when we're like a little bit higher on a measure and we're trying to like get even, it's so hard, you know, it's like you can't miss any opportunity. Um, but yeah, I do appreciate it when the MAs can document that in the chief complaint. It really helps figure out kind of what happened um, on the back end. Um, but again, it's not consistent yet, um, but it's something that we're considering. Okay, but so the chief complaint is sort of like the area where it seems most helpful yeah. or, or easy for them. Some of, the other, um, some of the other workflows are like, you know, they can order a procedure and then document in the notes that it's declined and then close the procedure. But to me, that seems like a lot of extra work, you know, to just order something just to cancel it and document that they declined it. So right. the chief complaint is the best place for us. Do you... um? Do you have any workflows in your care gaps that um, ask an MA to add an assessment or something to the HPI? Um, I know we've kind of gone back and forth and discussed it, and we haven't really felt comfortable doing that, but I'm curious if anyone else does um, feel like that's appropriate and how that would work. Gotcha. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, we have in the past had the medical assistants um, add the assessment for BMI. Um, beyond that, we don't typically have the medical assistants add um, like a diagnosis, except for the ones that are built into the templates for lab ordering. So okay. like all of those things have um, a diagnosis associated with it, and then that's merged over. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other, are there particular ones that you're considering? I mean, they would all have to be a standing order, but things like um, um, like tobacco cessation counseling or, um, yeah, probably like a, a, um, a high BMI for sure would be one of those. You know, things that we want our providers to address, um, but, you know, and I guess like we're sort of looking at it as a way of, kind of creating a reminder for the provider that's easier for them to see um, and something yeah. that the that the other team member has already addressed. So it seems appropriate to add it, but there's still some like major hesitation with our team members feeling comfortable doing that. For sure. Yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that. Um, we do, um, you know, hear from the MAs a lot when we're like, Kind of approaching that boundary like no that's really a provider thing you know and so we kind of come forward and back on that for sure um but i also hear what you're saying about alerting the provider in a way that's easy to see in the note i think that's something that everyone kind of struggles with you know you want to make sure that if you had a positive ph29 or or whatnot that it's yeah. definitely addressed um, that's a good one too and being able yeah. to put something in the plan, you know, so when the visit summary comes out, it's really readable and, yeah. Yep. For the counseling, we actually do have the MAs document that piece, and it's not as a diagnosis. It's just um, documented in the preventative medicine section. 
Um, and we've actually built a template now with the, well, I, I know you're not on ECW, but um, we've built a template for that so that they can just, because the templates are the way that the MAs have the easiest time with um, completing different care gaps. You know, it's kind of like their go-to. So we right. built a, a, a template for the counseling that they can just merge over during rooming. Yeah, we have something similar, actually. Um, and I think it's just that boundary, like you were saying, between like, okay, yes, we have a place where the MA can document, but you know how there's some counseling where the MA does sort of like a preliminary health coaching, but the provider has just that extra influence that only a provider can really have. And so when you want, maybe you did a fit test, but you know, you the, you want the provider to be kind of reminded like, hey, maybe you want them to get a colonoscopy, you're really gonna be the one to convince them. Like, how do you kind of transition? Anyway, I, um, I appreciate you're uh, kind of in the same boat on that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really good point. I mean, even with the insure kit, right? You want the provider to give a strong recommendation that the screening is really important. Um, yeah, I gave you the kit. Make yeah. sure you get it done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like a, a care team discussion, you know, of like how are we going to work together to do these different things and make sure that everything gets addressed. This is Kelly. Um, I have a question. Um, I know Petaluma offers a ton of classes um, at your health center, and I'm wondering, um, through one of the care gaps, do you uh, prompt MAs or providers to, to refer or at least mention a certain class that's related to a care gap to a patient? Um, for example, like some of your nutrition classes, maybe with the, any BMI care gaps? Yeah, we do have certain alerts for that. Um, we kind of have scaled them back a little bit because it was a, it was getting to be a little bit much um, just because we do have so many classes and things that you could recommend to patients. But um, it's kind of an individual decision as well. You know, it's, sometimes it's difficult to alert just based on an A1C level or whatnot to, like, get into a particular um group or or um, nutrition or whatnot. Um, so the way that we've handled that now is to actually just pick like one or two um, wellness services that we want to promote for that particular time. And so we'll decide which ones are going to rotate through and then we kind of switch them up so that people don't get too burnt out with seeing the same thing and that it's also um, complementary with what's going on um, in the next couple of months. So if we're opening a new class, then we're really trying to push for enrollment of that, then we'll, we'll add that um, care gap alert to there. I was wondering about how you were talking about the categories of care gaps. Have you found, does that add a lot of, um, I don't know, space like to, to the, like, I know you guys, I don't think print out or try not to print out, but I'll, some of our MAs are still printing out everything, and I'm wondering, does it make it a lot longer, or? It does make it a little longer. Yeah, it does make it a little longer. I remember just kind of seeing it before the categories and then after, so I think it was a little bit of a shock when we went to um, the categories, but it's just so much cleaner, too. It's kind of nice to be able to think of all of those categories at the same time. Um, so I think our, our teams like it. They like it. Okay. Mm -hmm. We kind of have it still uncategorized. It just says, you know, like a list of all of them. 
but we were, yeah, not wanting to necessarily make it a lot longer. So, but people like it. Okay, that's good to know. How often do you, like, refresh on the workflow, like the huddle workflow, and do you, does it, do people like kind of stay good, <laughs> or does it kind of, do you need to kind of keep reminding people? Yeah, um, that's a great question, too. Um, we do the initial orientation, you know, for each of the care team members. And then I would say we do an annual refresher in just like our, our team model. Um, you know, what does the flow coordinator do? What's the quick start? What's the soft landing? Kind of and, and talk about some of the struggles that teams are having individually, right? Because each team is different. Um, and sometimes we'll get into like, you know, providers are coming in late. And um, so what we do in that case is we just have the MA start, um, just start going through and adding things to the chief complaint. Um, but I think it is important, at least annually, to come back with the team or as we notice that a team is really struggling, um, then, you know, building that into their team needing to go back to the basics and kind of talk about the team model and um, and our model for, for huddling. Um, in addition to that, I would say that the refreshers we do are, are related to particular measures. Um, so if we notice that something is not improving or maybe, you know, the medical assistants are meant to schedule this dental appointment when they see the care gap for that, but we're not seeing a lot of dental appointments scheduled, then we'll go back and really talk about dental integration and why it's so important for the kids to see dental um, and then we'll see those um, scheduling appointments go up. But sometimes it's just kind of the turnover in staff, you know, maybe some of the MAs didn't know that there was that resource schedule for that particular workflow. So I would say like workflow based on particular measures we do more frequently throughout the year based on what we need and then that annual refresher with the, the team model. big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room.